Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I am your host, Finn Melanson, and I am joined today by Brett Hornig to preview the last race of the 2022 Golden Ticket Series, which is a Canyons 100K taking place in Auburn, California this coming weekend. We cover what it's going to take to be successful, the likely conditions on race day, analysis of the men's and women's fields, as well as our golden ticket predictions. Let's get started. All right, Brett, you are all decked out in the appropriate gear for the race of Saturday. You got the Hoka sweatshirt, you got the Canyons hat. You're just missing the uh, buy UTMB insignia and you'd have the complete package. I know this hat is going to be a, a retro classic someday because it doesn't say the buy UTMB <laughs> part on it. I, uh, in, on, on my side, I, have, I haven't done laundry in like 10 days, so I'm wearing a paint splattered shirt. And I have a cat perched on my on my neck, so we couldn't be in more opposite scenarios here. You've got the ambiance, I've got chaos. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're, the the haircut's looking clean, the mustache is looking sharp. I feel like you're like channeling your inner Freddie Mercury or something. Which I mean, those are good vibes. You gotta let your freak flag fly on race day, and I'm fully preparing for that. So yeah, like if you can get if you can get a power stance. <laughs> like... Amen. Well. We're here today. Typically, we do the long run archives together, but I'm not sure if this is going to be nested in that, but we're doing the Canyons 100K preview. There's already been quite a bit of fanfare. We both have a couple tabs open. I Run Far has done a men's and women's preview. Treeline Journal did a preview. Um, Free Trail launched Fantasy Ultra Running, I think, this week, and Canyons is going to be a part of it. So mm-hmm. I feel like each year in this sport, the fanfare, the buildup, the hype to races gets bigger, and I don't know. Are you feeling the same thing this week? There's been a lot of talk just about this race. I mean, not only because there's, you know, again, one more golden ticket on the line, but, you know, it. I feel like, you know, there's always that talk of, like, where, when and where does the next generation of like ultra runners come from? And I don't know if it's just me like really taking a much deeper dive into it this year, but I feel like because last year and the year before we're kind of, kind of, I don't know, everyone gets a pass. Those two years really let some people like grow and evolve into like the new wave of ultra ballers and i feel and i feel like i've just been seeing a lot of that um you know this winter and spring of racing which you know definitely makes for the the previews for these races really exciting because you know there's a lot of big clashes going on and definitely a bit of unknown as well which uh yeah, really always makes for an exciting day of racing out there. Yeah, it's, I think you make a good point. We've talked in previous episodes about where one generation ends and another begins and how there was a delay in the ascension of the current or next generation because of COVID. Obviously, Adam Peterman is one of those runners who represents the new generation. Is there anybody else in this field that you think also you would you, you'd categorize in that, uh, in that generation of runners? I mean, you know, I think at the, at the moment, like Adam Peterman is doing some very special mm-hmm. things. Um, and I think he's right now kind of in a, a class of his own on the newcomer side. But um, there's definitely, I, I should have written like the ages or number of years 
of racing next to all the people that I wrote down. Um, but there's definitely some people who have not a huge history of results on their ultra sign up, but like, you know, just in the last year or year and a half have some really good results. Um, a lot of the names that I wrote down, this will be the longest race that they've done. Maybe not necessarily from just being a hundred K. A lot of these people have done a hundred K before, but this is probably the hardest or the slowest hundred K yeah. that they've done. Um, so whenever you get to that point where you're racing flat out, but it is also the most time you've ever spent on your feet in a running race. Um, you know, that always just throws up even more uncertainty. So that can, you know, lend to the hand of experience and people who've done it before. But, uh, yeah, some of these people, yeah, like, like Adam Peterman's been on a tear recently. Uh, Ryan Miller in the last, you know, year, year and a half. Um, he recently just won the Gorge Waterfalls 50K. Um, he's had some really good results and, you know, seems to be like on a bit of a, like, journey for himself just this past spring. Hero's journey. Um, and then you have, yeah, and then you have someone like, like Reed Coolset, who's, technically not a young guy anymore sorry reed but he's new to the trails um so there's yeah there's a lot of uh new new running talent at this race um and i'm just i'm just looking at the men's side right now because that's just what i had uh on this current doc and then like on the ladies side it's even like there's even more young talent um like there's yeah a whole bunch of people who have like you know two or three recent races, but nothing prior to, you know, like 2018 or 2019. But at the same time, just based off their, you know, if you're only as good as your last race, there's some people who could win this thing in their first hundred K. I want to stay on this generational talking point for a second, because I'm going to say something that might be controversial. Feel free to call me on it. But when I first looked at this entrance list two or three weeks ago, I thought to myself, holy shit, there's 25, 30, maybe even 40 runners that could legitimately contend at least for a top 10 spot, maybe even a golden ticket. Like, And I thought to myself, is this the deepest non-Western states American event ever? And, you know, I think immediately to like Black Canyon in like 2019, races like that, um, like Sonoma in some years. But then I looked pretty closely at this list over the last 48 to 72 hours i don't think Mm. that this field is as deep as i thought it was and i think i bring up the word generational here because i think we get hung up on names that were at the very top of the sport five six seven years ago that might not have Mm. the same legs to be competitive so again i'm going to preface this all by saying i have the utmost respect for these people they're heroes of mine but I wonder if they're actually gonna be in contention. So folks like Sage Canada, who I just listened to an episode he did with 10 Junk Miles, great podcast, we'll link to it. His story in the last year has been insane. Like he had a pulmonary embolism, his house burned down. I think he had another family tragedy. So he's been out of it. He's back on the line. Zach Miller, um, Jason Schlarb, Mark Hammond, even though Jared Hazen's 26, he's a, he's a vet. Like, I wonder what he's going to be doing. He's a, he's veteran. a veteran. Like Absolutely, what, but, yeah. So over the last three years, these names have been silent on the scene, but I have that mm-hmm. bias of like, I knew who they were in 2016, so I immediately think they're contenders. And when I think of like those names and a couple more, 
the list whittles down more to, I don't know, like a 10 or 15 core runners that I'm really thinking could challenge for a spot on race day. So I wanted to say that you can challenge me on it, but I have more realistic expectations, I think now on race day than I did two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we first talked about that and I mean, I, yeah, when you said like, this might be the deepest ever, I've at least been going to these races and following them, you know, just a few years longer than you. And I was like, "Mm, I have some memories of races that I feel like were as good or better and now looking back on it, I I agree. I think there are there have been races in the U.S. that are not Western states that had better, uh, you know, better fields. That's not to say that this one might not be the best ever because the race hasn't happened yet, and there's a whole bunch of big question marks. You know, like you said, like there's 15 people on both the men's and women's side who are fit enough. To win the race. Sub 10 at least. Fitness alone does not win this race. It doesn't even come close. You have to, you know, there's, I mean, maybe, maybe that's a good time to kind of talk into some of the, like, what, what do you need to do to succeed at this race? A hundred K is interesting. A lot of people opt for, do I race it like a long 50 mile or do I race it like a short 100 mile and i don't know where i stand for this particular race um i lean towards race at like a short 100 mile um because this is a this is the type of course where the race is not over until you hit the finish line because of how long the last climb is to the finish um you know someone could look amazing on the last descent and just come out of the final aid station. They're like, Oh, they're, they're a lock. But if they hit that last climb and they're run out of gas, not feeling good, you could be losing multiple minutes a mile to someone for nine miles at the end. So, you know, playing it a little bit conservative and, you know, making sure you are able to continue to really grind out those climbs, uh, in the second half, I think is gonna, it's gonna be important. Um, even last year on that last climb, the top 10 uh, shuffled a lot in that last climb. Are there gonna be people, men's or women's side, that you think are, regardless of how you've analyzed it there, they're gonna be inclined to race it right from the gun? Like it's not gonna be a race for them where it starts at X Aid Station, like Forest Hill, for example? I think it's funny. I, it shouldn't, it's what I'm saying almost like on paper contradicts myself in saying that like, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the people who are veterans who have been in the sport longer go out harder because not because that's dumb, but because they have a better idea of how much they can kind of thread the needle before blown up. Like, like, like Tim and Tim Frerichs and Jared Hazen have, had good races going to the front controlling it you know going out hard and knowing that they can just fade less than everyone else it's exactly what true heart brown did to win black canyon um in february he went out hard and then when he realized he was by himself he was able to then kind of moderate Mm -hmm. his energy and how hard he was trying 
based off of what the gaps behind him were. So then he got to just kind of put it in cruise control. And then, you know, you get to an aid station, you'd be like, oh yeah, they're two minutes behind you. And you'd be like, okay, I got to, I got to make sure to work a little bit here. And, you know, being in control can sometimes really play into your favor if you can survive going out a little bit too hard. And, you know, that kind of strength definitely lends to one runner over the other. And there's, you know, somewhere I'm like, can Adam Peterman do that? I've no idea. Um, maybe he can go out hard and just be totally fine. That's what Anthony Costales did last year. Um, I just went on a long run with Cole Watson this past weekend and he was, it was him and Anthony and Max for like the lead guys for a while. And he said, he was like, yeah, me and Max were working. We were still comfortable, but we were definitely like kind of looking at each other like why is this guy not working anywhere near as hard as we mm. are and we're at the front of the pack um, like cole said you know anthony like was like just like bounding up the climb to get to forest hill like no Side big note, deal and yet he was still in the front one of the greatest strides in all of ultra running if you ever get a chance to watch anthony run it's a thing of beauty it's a thing of art yeah, so that's what Cole was saying was like, I mean, yeah, we were all at the front and like he looked he still looked really good, even though it you know, he probably maybe he could have run a little faster had the whole front pack gone through the first half a little bit slower, but it didn't matter because he still ended up being the best runner in the second mm-hmm. half. Um so I guess what I'm getting at is like you do want to be a little bit conservative in the first half, but not you can't let you can't let up that much room. What's a lot of room in your opinion? You know, and I was just I just asked myself that question too after the words came out of my mouth. I don't think a lot of room really comes down to any particular okay. gap between someone the amount of room might be more so like what what do you think you can run on this course what do you need to do to run that time um generally in a race there's a couple different strategies you could go through to run that time but which is the strategy that allows you to run that time but also be very competitive at the end if it does come down to you either catching someone or running with someone you still have to yeah. beat them um and that answer is different for everyone like you know i i'm, I'm just going to use sage Canada as an example right now he's a really good climber excellent um he's always been he's always been really good at runnable climbing like he can just grind out climbs so like in sage's case you know i think he could take it pretty chill all the way you know the first 15 or 18 miles um what is that point oh even farther than that like 24 25 miles before you start to climb up to forest hill um i bet he could take it pretty chill and like he's just the the level of climber that he is staying in his 100k effort i bet he'll climb a lot of these climbs faster than people um and if you know this that last climb is the type of climb where he could really benefit from having good legs on it and, you know, move up a couple spots. Um, Cause it is aside from the very first bit of that last climb for the top 
men and women, it's pretty runnable. Like you're running almost every step of it. I know that we'll get to predictions later in the show, but I hope that Sage can have sort of a comeback performance in the same way that like Rob Cryer did at Leadville back in 2018, where, you know, he was off the radar for a little bit. Totally. And then he just goes and just smashes it. And uh, again, just knowing what Sage has been through recently and how he's just been out of the scene for a couple of years, it would be pretty sweet to see him do something cool in this course. And yeah, I mean, you look at the the grades on a lot of the climbs, especially it does suit his skill set. And uh, yeah, for people that are more recent fans yeah. of the sport, Sage used to be like the guy, right? He was like one of the first, like really. Well, especially in the 50K to 100K yeah. distance, that was like his sweet yeah. spot. Um, like North Face 50 Mile, Lake Sonoma, yeah, Speed Goat, like all of those things were like, you know, even something like Speed Goat for someone like Sage, you're running a good yeah. amount of that course. Um, and yeah, that was always like right right in his pocket um, in terms of, you know, ideal race distance. So um, I think something like the Canyons could suit him really well. And, and his training has looked really good, you know, recently. Um, he's had to, you know, purposely take a really long, slow build up but you know just because of coming off of that operation you know he is only allowed to run a certain amount um but you know sage has also been no he's really good at training perhaps almost too good at times so this i'm not i'm not going to call it a blessing in disguise because you never want to have a sure. pulmonary yeah. embolism that sounds and i scary. think that's what but, i'm not positive that's what I yeah. thought too, but I might, who knows, maybe we're just making that up and just spreading false rumors, but Sage seems fit and he hasn't raced in a while. And yeah, I'm hoping he has a good one too. You have, I think hinted at it a little bit so far in the conversation, but yeah, putting on your analysis hat for a second, what do you think it's going to take to win this race? Like as you've been looking through the Strava files for various people on the men's and the women's side are there any things that you're seeing in their training that would indicate it's going to translate well to this course and they're in a good position like what kind of climber do you need to be descender pacing stuff like that so you do need to be really good at knowing when you're getting out of 100k effort um, especially in the first half from a pacing standpoint because I don't really look at pacing for these races like minutes per mile. Um, maybe you'll have a rough time, like window for when you should hit various aid stations or get to yeah. Forest Hill. But so much of it is if I, you know, I think I can run 10 hours, 10 hour effort is about this, you know, on some of the climbs, I'm going to go a little bit above it on some of the descents are probably going a little bit below it, but for the first, you know, four or five hours of a 10 hour effort it feels really easy even if you're going seven or eight hour effort which leaves you two hours or three hours of blowing up the people that have done the better job of learning to differentiate between the correct easy and not quite easy enough are going to be the ones who really hammer the second half of the course and you know you do have to be right on the edge of the correct amount of easy because if you're going way too easy then you know you're only going to even on fresh legs you can only run that second half of the course yeah. so fast 
Well, um, and you know, I don't know if I've ever heard someone after a race come and be like, man, I really wish I went out harder. Um, I don't think I've ever heard that for a hundred K. So that's probably not going to I'll put you on the spot again with your coaching hat for a second. Like you just had, you just coached David Laney to a win at the Gorge hundred K. How do you determine that pace in training? What kind of conversations are you having with David to say, I've looked at the data. This is probably where your best running is going to happen for 62 miles. What does that all look like? That's where the experience part comes in. Like I can tell him, you know, let's go on a four hour run, hundred K effort, you know, for, for where he lives over in Bellingham. We're like, okay, on these trails, it's probably this many miles and this many feet. What do you think? And then he'll be like, yeah, that's probably about right. And he will absolutely nail it, you know, to the second, just because he's done it so much. And he knows like what's hundred mile effort, what's hundred K effort, what's 50 K effort. So then it's something like the gorge where the whole goal of that race was be pretty conservative and do pretty much only what you need to win. Um, don't take the lead for the first half. Like that was an interesting kind of challenge where I was, we were just kind of decided like, if you find yourself in a front pack, don't even try to drop anyone for the first 30 miles. Like just do and see what happens. Um, the other thing that David did a really good job of at the gorge that I think is going to be important at a really, really deep race like mm-hmm. the canyons is your efficiency through the aid stations. That normally, like most of the athletes I coach, I tell them, take the extra minute at the aid stations, like really look over the table, grab what you want, because for the other 95% of the field, you you don't want to rush through the aid stations. Right. Um, you want to make sure that you come in with, you know, you're, it's always, you're always a little frazzled going into them. Um, and, and, you know, you leave it and then you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot to fill this bottle or I forgot to grab two more gels. Um, so that's always a big thing that, you know, I make sure we practice with a lot of my athletes. But when you get up to the very tip top of the fields, you, you don't have time for that. I mean, I bet the person who wins the race will have less than 10 minutes of stoppage time. I'm going to mark that down. That's an interesting prediction. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's important. I mean, if you have 20 minutes of stoppage time, you're still rolling through the aid stations pretty fast, but if someone else can do it in 10, you lose 10 minutes to them on the course right there. Um, and that's just the level of competition that ultra running is at in these hyper competitive races is you just need to be good at knowing exactly what you're going to need when you come out of the station. Hopefully you're nutrition is dialed and you're not to the point where you are like having to graze the table because you're done with goose or you know you're like oh i I gotta switch it up you know hopefully you don't have to and you can just be like i need four gels i need to fill one of my bottles with electrolyte or you know if you have crew it's just a matter of like dumping your stuff getting new stuff and not needing to just eat at an aid station um you know i think that's something that's going to be really important for the elites in this field the stoppage time is fascinating it reminds me when i had nick curry on the podcast about five or six Mm -hmm. months ago i'm gonna mess up the year but he told me one of the years he did hard rock he had less than three minutes of stoppage time 
across all the aid stations because as he was going into the aid station, his crew was just swapping out his packs that had everything prepackaged, like the bottles, <laughs> the nutrition, oh my gosh. whatever. It can be the difference between for anywhere from 10 to 15 to half an hour to an hour of yeah. time at races that are 100 miles in distance. So, Absolutely. That's wild. Um, so I think that's one of the like very small details that you know becomes a big detail um at the elite level um especially now one other thing that i wanted to ask you before we move on to race conditions here i would be curious if you found any data while you were going through the strava files of these runners when you looked at their long runs were they doing their long runs at efforts that they could manage for four to five hours or were they doing them at a hundred K specific effort that they could manage for like nine to 10 hours in your opinion? You know, most of the long runs I saw looks like they were all a little bit too hard. Um, you know, like I saw some people going down to the canyons course in February and March and doing their big training camps on the course. And, you know, every single long run that they did was at course record pace like we're not all anthony castalis and i bet he's also not doing his training run like 30 50k on the course at course record pace that's a hard long yeah. run like half of your race distance at pace is a hard long run. like you go do 13 miles at marathon pace it's doable but that's that's a hard that's a hard run like when you're in training um so I, I did see a handful of you know ones like that. I saw some other ones where people are there's you know the people who can are climbing a lot for this race. You know I saw some monster vert numbers in the training, like over twenty k um, a week. Yeah, yeah, I saw a handful of twenty, and and when you add some people who are skiing, you know I saw some strung together thirty k weeks. Can you climb too much for this race? You can, and the reason, well, it depends on the type of climbing you're doing. If all you're climbing is up, you know, 12, 1500 foot a mile, you're hiking it all. And while there is some hiking at this course, there's a lot of running. Um, like I, I pulled up uh, David Laney's uh, 100K GPX, or not GPX, Strava, and I have um, the ability to separate cadence data so I can see minutes walked versus minutes yeah run and i'm clicking it and actually nothing's coming up right now but uh either oh there it is um at canyons last year david ran he ran uh nine hours and 33 minutes and that was with you know 14 and a half thousand feet of climbing he hiked for 30 minutes and David is one to hike more than other people okay. in races. Um, percentage wise, that means he ran, that's 5% of the time out there. So David ran for 95% of the course and he, or not 95% of the time he was out there. He hiked for 5%. Some people I see in their training runs are hiking for like 25, 30% of the time that they're out there. I question 
at at the you know if we're if we're looking at those who are trying to win this race, I question if that's mm. too much. Um, then I see someone like Sage, who's you know climbing in that like kind of fifteen to eighteen <clears throat> type range, fifteen to eighteen thousand feet a week. Most of it's running. You know, he's doing some like uphill treadmill tempos at various percentages, usually percentages that match the average percentage of some of these climbs of the course because he's smart and he's getting in that exact course specificity. Um, and, you know, he's still getting in an amount of like flatter speed work because the first 20 miles are, you need to be able to run the first 20. Um, comfortably if you want to have you know a shot at, at winning this thing one sec i gotta get this cat out of the way squirtle you gotta go hey, buddy. your cat's name squirtle. squirtle yeah <laughs> wow that's awesome i love that <laughs> let's move on to race conditions before we talk about our predictions you had the luxury of being on the course this past weekend and getting i think at least one long run in what can you report back? And in your opinion, what can runners expect for race day? So I went on a long run on like, basically I ran from, from green gate to the finish. So on the Western States course, it's like mile 80 to the finish. And I did it with, with Cole and a couple other friends. Um, all of us worked at Rogue Valley runners at one point, actually. Um, so Ashland represent there. The Rogue Valley Rancheros, you know what's up. Um, when we ran on Saturday, it was a full-on monsoon. Like, it had started raining hard at about 3 a.m., and we were running by, like, 7 or 7.30. And by the time we started running, the entire course was a giant mud puddle. And every single little, like, creek crossing that's normally dry, they were all raging um that really you only get conditions like that when it has been pouring for multiple hours and there's just that much water runoff um as soon as it stops raining though in auburn within a day or two it you know it dries up and then there's just a few puddles out there um there's a little bit of rain in the forecast in auburn for this week um it looks like the last of it comes on thursday um or maybe into early friday morning so there's going to be almost 24 hours of break time where there won't be any precipitation on the course. And I don't know what it's, what that means as you go further, you know, North towards the finish. Um, it, it wasn't that cold. So, I mean, I can't imagine it was snowing up there, but I guess that's a possibility. I mean, af- last year at the finish line, after about 15 hours, it did start snowing. Mm-hmm at the finish so it, it's definitely possible it's gonna be cool um, no matter what but right? i it's not gonna be hot no i mean i thought last year was gonna be the one anomaly because it has definitely been hot at canyons in past years um but i mean the weather's looking pretty pretty nice yeah. for race day um and i just don't feel like the course is gonna be that that beat up i mean bring your tech new because the poison oak is just popping right now. And I remember last year, um, as I got down to the river, um, I, I did run canyons yeah. last year, 2021. Um, when I got down to the river, which is, what is that, like 15 or so, 
20 miles in and then started the climb up to Forest Hill. I went through multiple miles where the poison oak was just like so big that it was just draping into the trail and there's like zero avoiding it. Um, and I'm running and I'm just like, you know, they're like slapping me in the face and I'm just like going like this. And there's there a couple of people behind me. I'm like, hey, is this poison oak? And they're just like frantically, yeah, that is poison oak. And I was like, oh, well, fortunately I don't get it. <laughs> and they're like, that's why we've been letting you lead because <laughs> we thought you were just an idiot, which... Um, the, that's just something to like mentally prepare for because it it got in a lot of people's heads last year because I was talking to people to finish and they were like just knowing that I had poison oak on my body for mile twenty and I had forty more miles to go like just yeah. got in my head but you know if calf sleeves you know wear those high socks calf you know okay. a lot of it's you know that like knee shin if you know if you get it really bad or you know you get some of those you know tech new wipes to have it like a drop bag at the finish so you can just wipe off um that'll just save a whole bunch of misery like in the weeks after the race um but other than that i mean the trail is so nice uh it's interesting running the canyons backwards um you know there there's some rocks in the second half of the course like coming down to um El Dorado, El Dorado Canyon, I think is the one out of Michigan Bluff, the big one, the first big one that you do. Um, that descent's got some rocks on it, and it's you know it's pretty steep. Um, like my IT band was starting to bug me at that point, just because there were some times where like you're going down kind of like almost like rocky yeah. steps. Um, so that was, yeah, that was definitely when it started to get challenging, and then and then coming up out of the other side of that first big canyon because you know it's like every time you descend you climb like 20 to 40 percent more than what you just descended um which from a time standpoint is like triple um so uh you if if you can have a lot of just mental patience and just like keep grinding that's going to be huge to just know like it's going to be hard and these climbs are going to feel like they are forever because they are forever because you literally finish uphill. Um, but if you can be okay with that and just know that like, this is the discomfort moment I'm in, but it's okay. Um, you will do a lot better. Let's go to the, our predictions. You want to start with the men's field? I wrote down my top five. Um, I also wrote down like a handful of names of like people that, you know, like to look out for. Um, but, uh, yeah. What do you, what do you got for your, I'm going to say them and then I'll explain my why. So I got Tim Frerichs, number one. I've got David Sinclair, number two, Chris Brown, three, Adam Peterman, four, Rod Farvard, five. Tim Frerichs winning because I think you actually made this point. If you look at Tim's college career and then some of his most special performances throughout his career, and you compare that to like Jim Walmsley, for example, there's no reason, in my opinion, why he can't be on the same level. And I know that he has struggled or just been prioritizing other things or just been off the radar for whatever reason the last three to four years. I think he is capable of doing something special. I looked at his Strava training. He's done a lot of those classic just 
grueling long runs in the canyons and he did i think yeah. uh, the crown king scramble 50k in the lead up to got a course record there so Which, uphill yeah 50K. so he's man that dude is in shape and he's got a new sponsor so maybe he's got a breath of fresh air there and I just think he's going to do it. So that's my number one. David Sinclair, if you don't know him, he's had a ton of success at Broken Arrow, Speed Goat, you name it, on like the mountain, true mountain 50K circuit. And then he's also just like an aerobic monster because he's got mm -hmm. that cross-country skiing background. And it looks like his training has been in full force. He's done specific stuff. Chris Brown, similar. Um, not like a Nordic skier, but just like a monster in mountain scenarios. I think he just did that uh, nine trails race in Santa Barbara. So his training has been good. Adam Peter, Adam yeah, Peterman won that. is like Jim Walmsley V2. My only concern with Adam is he's inexperienced above 50 miles. And I think his one 50 mile experience is JFK, which runs fast. It's five or six hours time on feet. And then Rod Farvard in fifth, because I just know that dude's a grinder and I was scrolling Twitter, you know, researching him. He's done amazing work in the lead up and he got the endorsement from mm -hmm. Tim Tollefson who said, watch out for Rod at Canyons. Yeah. Yeah. You sent me that. And I was like, well, if Tim says <laughs> if it, Tim then says then it, he's it must got to right? slot him in. <laughs> so, well, and, and that's not just because Tim was like, you know, just throwing fluff. I mean, it was cause he like went on a run with Rod and he was like, they're training, you know, because Rod's, a, Rod's mammoth a mammoth guy. guy. Yeah. And so Tim, Tim's saying that out of like firsthand experience. Um, and Tim knows what it takes to be good. At and I know there's going to be a lot of folks that say, why do you have David Sinclair second and Adam Peterman fourth when David is in a similar predicament as Adam not having experience above, I think, 50K or 50 mile? I would say, you know, you're spot on. That's that's true. Uh I would just say that David has been in the ultra game longer. He's had a chance maybe to meditate on what it takes at these distances. And he's just got a little bit more experience. Yeah. And in this case, I'm just going to choose that. I think my worry with Adam is just because the dude is so damn fast. Uh, he's going to race it from start to finish. And, you know, maybe you have to pay it back at some point. And maybe on that last climb to the finish, he struggles. I don't know. I, I just... Everyone's picking him to win, and I love being a contrarian. And uh, anytime uh, a majority of people say something, I always pause and reflect, and I think, what could happen alternatively? Yeah, I mean that's fair. Yeah, I mean David. Yeah, David Sinclair. He's he's a big wild card because, like you said, he's he's like a legend in the shorter mountain legend. racing. But at the same time, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he's this aerobic monster. Like, cause he's just has, he just can breathe more air than everyone else. So then, shouldn't that mean he could probably just jog at a comfortably slow pace forever? Why has he not tried this? I mean, maybe he just hasn't tried it because he's had so much success at, you know, VK to 50K that he just hasn't, like, needed to. Kind of like, you know, Max King probably could have been one of the better hundred milers you know 10 years ago if he wanted to but he chose to stay more in the speedier side of things because he had it and you know i mean maybe that's just the luxury that david sinclair has in that he truly is so good that he might be able to pick and choose that wide of a range yep. of events whereas most of these guys are forced into 100k 100 miler because they cannot beat david sinclair yep. to vk yep 
Great analysis. What, uh, who are your top five and why? So given everything that you just said and how I like seem to back you up on that, I think Adam Peterman's going to win. Um, and here's here's why. This is why I'm giving Adam Peterman the dub. He is, I don't know if he did this on purpose or what, but he is mirroring Jim Wamsley's end of 2015 to 2016 year, which is the year that Jim famously missed the turn at mile 93, but was on an absolute tear for you know about 85 miles prior to that on the Western States course. So Adam Peterman wins Speed Goat last summer. Jim, is that true? Adam Peterman won Speedgoat last year. Okay. Jim ran Speedgoat, did not win. Then then Adam goes to JFK, wins that. Jim Wamsley also did that after Speedgoat and won it. So now they both have a JFK win. Then what comes next? Oh, then Jim runs Bandera Bandera 100K. And that's kind of the one little like difference in the blip where Jim Jim went and ran Bandera. Um, Adam goes and crushes um, the Chuckanut 50K. Um, so they're kind of hitting the like you know West Coast races. And now where and then Jim ran six hours at Lake Sonoma that April. This is now Adam's Lake yeah. Sonoma. Um, and at the time, you know, this is a little longer, but when Jim went and ran Lake Sonoma and just destroyed everybody, like, you know, he got the second place was Tim Frerichs, his training partner. Um, you know, I see a lot of similarities I'm like, well, maybe Adam's just so good. And he's got that kind of freshness on his side from not having that many years that like, you know, he might just go to the front as long as he doesn't try and drop everyone in the first 15 or 20 miles if he can just chill and run with whoever is also trying to lead through at least forest hill if he can just do that i think he's the guy to beat. even though it's the longest race he's ever done um because he's in such good shape and he's so fast that that's going to help because you know same deal with anthony castalis like this was the longest race that he had ever done too and what he did was just do what the other people were doing for the first half. And then, okay, now it's time to win. It's uh, So that's I think that's going to happen again. One, one, I just talked with Adam two or three weeks ago. And what a nice dude. What a humble dude. And I'm so glad he's in the sport. Uh, it's, it is just, it's funny to compare him to Walmsley too. Because like Walmsley is very much like a, let me tell you exactly what I'm going to do at this race and why I'm the best and why I'm going to win. And, you know, Peterman is more just like taking every single race with like a bit of reverence, like, oh man, this is, you know, this is impressive. And I don't know how I'm going to do here. And I don't know, just different personalities, but same skill set, same type caliber runner. It's very interesting. Yeah. They got, they got similar fire <laughs> out on the trail. So I, I picked Tim Frerichs to get second. Um, you know, I think he's, kind of to that veteran type point where he's going to run a, you know, good, smart race. I picked him just getting second because Adam Peterman's just shown recently, like a little bit better results. Um, 
I got Rod Farbert for third. Um, you know, his running on Strava has looked great. It looks like he's done some, you know, that Eastern Sierra, if, if you can, if you can, if you can drive a little bit, um, you can get some pretty ideal training in the, you know, winter and spring for a race like this. And it looks like from a training standpoint, he's checked all the boxes. Fourth is a name that I don't think has been said yet. Uh, Brian Curl. Um, I think he's going to get fourth. Uh, he got seventh at Canyons last year, which the field was pretty deep. And seventh was a good result. Um, his training this year looks better. It looks like, you know, it looks like he's training, you know, within himself. I'm not saying he's just hammering everything. That's not what I mean by better. Um, his training, just like looking at his last few big weeks, like it just looked really good. Um, he's a Colorado, I don't know, native. He lives in Colorado. So he gets to drop down, you know, a handful of thousand feet uh, to this race, which is just going to be nice. Um, you know, he's going to luck out because it's not going to be 80 degrees on race day. Um, so, you know, if you've been doing all this heat training, good for you, but I don't think it's going to be a huge advantage this year. One thing on Brian, um, we, uh, we got to take credit for Brian here in Salt Lake because he just recently moved to Colorado, but he was here in Salt Lake proper for many years. Oh, okay. And, uh, also okay. he is coming off of a course record performance at the, uh, running up for air series, the 12 hour event. I think he lapped Granger peak eight times in 12 hours, which if you know, Granger peak, if you know the grade on that climb and just the demands, it's impressive. I mean, for context, Courtney DeWalter was there too. She got seven laps. So th this guy is really, really strong. And like you said, seventh place performance last year. Yeah. Impressive. So just want to say that. Yeah, so I think, you know, if, and I assume he's trained this past year to improve and just, you know, we usually train to get better at this sport. So if he just worked on getting better, you know, not worrying about anyone else, but just bettering himself, that's going to yield a good result. Um, I have Sage Canada for fifth. Nice. Um, yeah, I was, I was really on the fence whether to throw Jared Hazen in there because if the right Jared shows up, he's, you know, he's a contender to win, but I just haven't seen that enough lately to confidently put his name on there. Um, yeah. And like, I, I threw these names out there, like, you know, those will probably be my, my picks for, uh, the free trail fantasy. Um, and if we're thinking like, if, if, if we're betting men, you know, I don't know if I'm going to risk my money on jared just quite yet yeah i mean he's one i mean it's it, like you just said which jared shows up obviously he's capable of some of the most special performances in the sports history but he you know he dnfs a lot too and he's struggled to put stuff together the last two to three years so it's tough to say but i mean i'm a fan so i'm rooting mm -hmm. for him do you have any dark horses yeah. in this race like outside your top five just like people to to look for that might not be you know household names so um i i like alex gold he's from ohio um he has some legit result like and he has some long race experience so he's gotten fourth at the bear hundred and then he got 11th at wasatch 
and he's had a whole bunch of wins on you know some smaller races but his training has looked super solid and you know he's kind of uh kind of middling you know the distance yeah. now for some of his racing so like i just i just kind of like what he's been putting together um i don't know anything about him or his racing style or anything but just looking purely on you know just just looking at strava and his race history i mean i i like him as a as the dark horse um maybe you'll be able to uh tell me more uh so there's a huge salt lake contingent utah group coming out to this race uh who is grant barnett uh surely there's more you can tell me about this guy i'm just i'm gonna quote a long run uh strava quote from uh, april 3rd I like this 81 miles twenty-one thousand feet of vert this week i'm ready to spank some fools at canyons not calling out the slc dudes just the so-called pro pro boys they can't move uphill like i can end quote man that might be uh, worthy of a screenshot and then sent out to trail running twitter i you know so i mentioned that brian curl had that performance at rufa grant can definitely back it up he at the same time that brian set that 12-hour record grant set the six-hour record at rufa so he did i think four laps but with like an hour and 20 to spare so like flirted with a fifth lap and he took kyle richardson's Mm. record there and kyle former guest of the podcast boulder guy really really strong at that i think he's like a black diamond athlete really strong dude so it was like a stout record that he took and uh yeah grant is one of those people who if you look at his training you'd, you'd think he was training for speed go and not necessarily this race because a lot of the climbing he's done he a, lot a lot of vert, vert. a lot of stuff that's not really canyon specific but he's strong yeah. man and uh you know he's I mean, he's throwing himself out there with quotes like yeah. that i mean yeah with with talk like that i'm expecting a podium <laughs> finish i'm expecting i want to know ticket. who the so-called pros are <laughs> I mean, maybe the ones who are actually pros. Those are the so-called pros. All right, well, i got to say a couple more things about the Salt Lake group. So you've also got Caleb Olson, who's incredibly strong, top 10 at Speed Goat last year. I think he was third American at CCC. Mm-hmm. Like He was running with Chris Brown and Avery Collins all day last year at CCC and finished in 17th. Just fantastic performance. Garrett Corcoran, who ran at Cal at the same time Adam Peterman was running at Boulder. Garrett used to at least... Garrett used mm, to that's beat Adam some of the time. So, and I've done a ton of workouts with that guy. He's yeah. always a quarter mile ahead of me on every single rep. Just a beast. Jacob Grant, really strong. Uh, Spencer Strom, strong. Like I'm expecting, and we didn't talk about the back half of the top ten, but I'm expecting at least three guys from Salt Lake, and I'm including Brian Curl in that mix, uh, being in the top ten. I don't know which of them it's going to be, but it's going to be at least three of them, I think. And uh, I actually think that Garrett probably has the highest upside. I think that he is somebody that has all of the fitness in the world to run with the likes of Adam Peterman. And uh, it's just going to be a question of like, you know, his experience and how well he paces himself and nutrition and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'll just say that about the Salt Lake guys. Well, what about Finn yeah. Melanson? I, no, I'm not. I mean, you, you're, you're, in that, you're in that Salt Lake crew. I mean, I know you had the little rib rib uh, injury i don't i don't like calling them injuries it's just a little minor setback yeah. um 
Your running's been looking injuries, good. Recently. Injuries happen all the time. It happens to everybody. I'm no different. Yeah. I'm feeling healthy. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. And uh, I think that Ryan and I, Ryan Gelfie, my coach, we just have a plan to run really smart to not get caught up in any pack of people that are going out too fast. We're going to run really smart, maybe 430, 435 to 50K. And then hopefully that is a pace that allows me to have some energy in the second half and hopefully I can scoop some people. But yeah, I, those other guys, I'm on, I'm on the low end of the totem pole there in, in the Salt Lake group. Uh, those other guys that I mentioned are, they've, they've, they're going to, if anybody's going to shine, it's going to be them. So, uh, the one other dark horse I want to mention, I call it's, I never overlook Flagstaff anymore after missing True Heart Brown pre Black Canyon. There's this guy from Flagstaff, his yeah. name's, I'm going to butcher the name, but Ruari Moynihan, who's put in some really, okay. really solid training for this race. He, uh, again, just going off foot speed as a metric, the guy has run a 68-minute half marathon yeah. and a 222 marathon. Okay, that's pretty solid. Okay, oh, fun fact for the race. Uh, so here's your, you know, does foot speed mean you can run an, a good ultra? So... Canyons and on the men's side last year, the top five, four of them have run in the Olympic trials in the marathon. The only one that didn't was probably Noah Brodigan, I'm guessing. No, yeah, but it was Anthony Costales, Max King, Cole Watson, David Laney. All of them had run 218 or faster in the marathon. And that was that was that was your top five. That's a great stat. And yeah, I, I just I don't know if there was actually a, a time right where there. there was that many. I didn't know at the time if there was even a race that had had that many like Olympic trials marathon qualifiers in like an American ultra. Um, so I just thought that was fascinating, and you know, like as hard as this course is, you still got to be good at running. Man, that's yeah. Get that on Twitter, man. That's a good stat. Um. I've been trying to up my Twitter game a little bit recently, but. <laughs> I'm trying to bring Twitter back to how it was in its glory days of just like random <laughs> shit posts. Like that's what I love. Let's go to the women's. Uh, who is your top five, and why? Okay, so I've got Brittany Peterson winning, um, but I only have her winning if she like. Do we have confirmation that she is here and she is racing and like? She's ready to go crush it because, like, she's already in Western States. Yeah, so I actually I just spoke with her two or three weeks ago. Uh, we're going to do a podcast, I think, later this year, maybe closer to Western States or after. But I caught her on the road okay. to Auburn to go train specifically on the course for, I think it was, like, up to a week. So this was back in, like, early April. And okay. I was impressed because, yeah, like you said, she's already in Western States, already punched her ticket, but she's taking this... She wants, she to, just go wants to go race. I, that's the sense I get, and she's okay. Yeah, taking cool. it incredibly seriously. So she's treating this like, like yeah. I mean, she's serious. Yeah. Yeah, we should, I, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the winner of Western States last year, Beth Pascal, she got she Demolished she came and crushed yeah. canyons, and then yeah, she. I mean, it was amazing to watch her run for the first. Well, t- I think I was with her for two the first two miles and then she pulled away and then i heard the gap was like you know 40 minutes or something at forest hill and i was like oh 
she's gonna win she's gonna win western states and then i picked her to win western states and then she did um slight slight humble brag on the pick right there but so okay if Brittany peterson is going to race i think she will be the one to win um i have anna may flynn getting second which i think might be a surprise to some i don't think it is to me like when she's running healthy and she's fit and she's you know enjoying her training and everything she is a phenomenal runner and she's a really good climber on the running on the rec running side of the climbing um you know i've raced against her a couple times at lake sonoma and she's always been so strong in the second half and she's no stranger to these trails either i mean she she taught up in the olympic up in olympic valley at the school there yeah. for a number of years and got to run so much on this she course knows. so she this is her backyard she knows it she knows what it takes to do this race and it looks like you know on strava that she's put together some great running so i think this is it's anna may flynn's time to come back and you know start you know kind of crushing the longer ultras again because um, it's been a couple kind of a couple years she did run jfk uh last november i believe and i think she got like seventh or eighth um but her training recently has been looking great uh for third uh to round out the podium so oh i guess also on this side go- the golden tickets will then all yes. roll down one spot if, assuming Brittany peterson is in yes. the podium or i guess anywhere because she she already is going to western states um i have leah yingling getting third and i she's salt, a Utah. salt laker yeah yeah salt Lake. yeah um she ran last year um i think she got i think i wrote it down seventh sixth she got sixth at canyons last year but in between then and now she has had some really good results ones that i think have given uh the mm, evidence that her running like her fitness her racing has just gone up to the next level uh one that i think is good enough for her to now get on the podium and race her way into western states um just second at the bear 100 mile last year and recently just got second at the gorge waterfalls 50k to uh keely henniger who's also yeah. running western states and is she's she's very fast um so i think the leah stock is just on the up right now um, i agree so that's why i've got her on the podium fourth i have ladia albertson junkins uh who just won mm-hmm. chuck and uh she has earned a golden ticket before so i think she just kind of knows what what that kind of uh racing and like what that kind of grit takes um her chuckanut run was phenomenal so i again another person whose stock is on the up and i think is just timing it right to canyons um fifth place i have sarah beal who got second at jfk last november and that was to a you know on fire devin yanko she had to DNF at Bandera at mile 48. Um, I was reading her little Strava recap about it, and it sounded like you know it was just a bad decision made in regards to kind of gambling a little bit towards the end and blowing through an aid station and 
kind of sounds like you know more nutritional problems more so than you know fitness or not having the legs um her trainings looked really good and you know if she can just fix the the like the mental errors which is something that's you know that's oftentimes what is the cause for races going sideways especially ultras is the mental errors when the you know blood sugar levels start to get low later on we just start to make poor decisions if if she if she, if she sounds like she learned what the problem was at bandera um i've got her to sneak into fifth um dark horse pick i have i don't is she a dark horse megan morgan mm-hmm. Um, yeah. She's like 24, 24 years old, fourth at Bandera this year. She just missed a golden ticket. Um, she ran 248 in the marathon at CIM last December. So good good foot speed. Um, looks like training out of Boulder or around. Um, not a lot of race history, but perhaps one of those uh, up-and-coming uh, ultra ballers. I'll give you my top five. I've got Brittany Peterson winning. Leah Yingling second, Megan Morgan third, Sarah Beal fourth, mm. Bridget Takuchi fifth. So at least two of those names are recognizable, Brittany and Leah, and I put them there for the same reasons you put them there. I think Leah's stock mm-hmm. is on the rise. I think she's proved herself at some of the most important races in our sport. I think the only thing I would be concerned about there is just racing frequency. Like she's put together a lot of great efforts like this. Mm-hmm spring and late winter alone bandera was a great race yeah. uh where was she in europe was it trans grand canaria i think she did the 60k there was on the podium so the only thing i would worry about is fresh freshness yeah, a lot but of racing. if i understand correctly mm-hmm. i think she yeah. she races a lot like i think she's somebody that year in year out is racing pretty frequently so i don't think this is anything out of the ordinary yeah looking at her results yeah like she has like three races, three results in yeah. 2022, and then in 2021 she had a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, just on. Yeah, so she seven. races frequently, so I don't think this is something that's out of the ordinary, and I don't, maybe we don't even need to worry about it. But yeah, I have her second if she runs to her potential. I have her at second, and then you mentioned on the men's side that last year four of the five winners ran in the trials. They're fast and. I don't think that any of these women have done the same, but they're all fast. Megan Morgan has that 248 marathon. Sarah Beal has a 242 marathon. And then Bridget Takuchi ran at Oregon State, so she's got collegiate experience. And she... Oh, I didn't know that. ...has a win at the Golden Gate 50K, which is formerly the North Face 50K up in the Marin Headlands. She ran that in 430, so she's fast. Mm-hmm. And... um Again, I'm, I guess I'm contrarian. I like to seek out people that uh, nobody's talking about, and hopefully uh, they can show up. And I mean, there's other people here, like Abby Levine, Kat Bradley. You mentioned Anna Mae Flynn. You mentioned Ladia, Allison Baca. Like, those are all more familiar names, and they could have great days as well. Yeah, for, uh, for I mean, yeah, we can't ignore no. Kat Bradley. I mean, she is a Champion. Western States Second champion. at Leadville, 10th um, uh, I mean, or yeah. was it 8th at UTMB one year? Like, she's put up great results, yeah. Yeah, let, yeah West, winning Western States is not no. the only good no. result she's ever had. Like, she's put together some really good races. And I guess the only reason why I didn't put her in my top five is uh, I have no idea where her training or fitness is at 
as of right now. I mean, it seems like she's been living over mm-hmm. on the Big Island in Hawaii, and it looks like she's been getting some good running in, but, you know, uh, not a ton of, you know, big racing recently. Um, so, yeah, it's it's hard to put a, you know, put a place on, on that one. But, I mean, if, if she is, you know, fit and fresh and shows up to race, she'll be up there. Um, oh, also one last... Ladia Albertson Junkins, she has qualified she has, okay. for the Sorry. Olympic trials yep. and she's marathon fantastic. as well. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I think for me, I think a lot of my quote unquote dark horses I'm, I'm putting in that top five, probably Bridget is the biggest dark horse. And again, she's Strava dark. I, I couldn't find any training there, but did see some stuff pre-January yeah. and it, it was impressive. So, okay. um, I have some question marks. Like I wonder about Nicole bitter. I know she's had a lot of great results in the past, but couldn't find much on Strava. Marianne Hogan won Bandera and I'm not sure if she's racing. She might be hurt. Um, I read she had an okay. ankle something at some point, but I cannot remember where I read that. I know she's had injury issues in the past that has interrupted her, you know, consistent racing, but another one of those people where it's like, if she's healthy and gets to the start line, she can win the race. Um, she, she already has a golden ticket though. Um, she won, she won Bandera. Uh, she, yeah, she crushed Bandera. Um, so if, if, you know, if, if she's on the fence, you know, I, I, I would totally understand skipping canyons for the sake of getting healthy and the one last training. question mark here for me is Katie Arnold, who I think in the past has won Leadville, I want to say. Yeah, she won Leadville in 2018. So according and, according to the Iron yeah. Far preview, it says she's wow. not racing due to recovering from a, just a recent injury and staying, just playing the long term. Because it was so. interesting. She, I'm looking at her ultra sign up right now. Yeah. And, she was signed up for the Western States training camp weekend, which that's an awesome vote. I know, confidence. I saw that like, too. I'm going to sign up for Canyons. I'm going to get that golden ticket. And you know what? I'm already going to go sign up for that training weekend. <laughs> yeah. She has run that's rabbit awesome. on the long term, yeah. um, September. So well, that's good to know. Uh, yeah, that was, that was what I saw in Iron okay. Far. Um, cool. We covered a lot of good ground here. We got, yeah, we got the men's field, the women's field covered. Anything else on your mind about this race before we we go? Uh, so a question that I have, maybe you, you know, how can I follow this race on oh Saturday? Gosh, well, oh, you know what? Iron Far is oh, going to be at the race. So I know there there is at least going to be like Twitter coverage, which is, I, I, honestly, I really like the Twitter coverage. I love, I don't have notifications for twitter turned on ever but when a race like this is happening and iron far is covering it i hit the bell on iron far's twitter and then i just get to go live my day and then every three minutes i get a nice update with a picture about mm-hmm. how everyone's doing and i i can paint the picture you know in between um you know that's great and that's that's at the moment that's kind of really the best you can do out there because there's no service um out there like i don't think there's not even any cell service at the finish line. So they're, they're going to have like sat phones up there, you know, trying their absolute hardest to get tweets with pictures out. Um, so if there's any delays in coverage, that is why. Um, I haven't checked, but ultralive.net has been the timing 
partner for this race, um, which at least is able to update all of the uh, aid stations that have timing mats. So we can at least get updates on placing for aid stations. Um, I guess I just answered my own question, and all I need to do is think a little bit harder. In the meantime, before we publish the episode, I will make sure to look to see if there are any new uh, UTMB-introduced innovations on that front. But Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, maybe maybe part of that mandatory gear list will be like a GoPro, and everyone just has to vlog themselves. Which, I mean, I, I understand why they're, you know, instating a mandatory gear list. It's a very, there's a very minimal amount of mandatory gear, but I understand yeah. why there should be. Um, you know, it's it's a long day. You just, you never know what's going to happen. Well, dude, I think I might need to go run over to Salt Lake Running Company to pick up a pair of these New Balance Fuel Cell Rebel V2s before the race. You've convinced me that the oh, weather geez. might be good enough to wear road shoes. Now, what were you going to run in? <laughs> I was thinking the Hoka Torrent, but it's kind of heavy. The Hoka Torrent <laughs> is not a heavy shoe. Um, also, don't do anything new on race day. That's, that's like, that's the number <laughs> one thing. Do not go to the running store and it buy new gonna shoes It's going to be the New right Balance now. Fuel Cell or the uh, Saucony Speed Roll. Take your pick. Speed Roll, that's not even a shoe. You can't fool me, Finn. I I got every single model by every single company in my head. The speed Saucony Speed Roll. That's like saying I bought the Nike Zooms. I think this is a good place to put a pin in it. This has been the Canyons 100K preview. We'll definitely do one of these for Western states and then UTMB, and you know, yeah. as the series ramps yeah. up again, Havelina and so forth. So, man, this has been awesome. Thanks, Brett. This has been great. And like, yeah, I mean, well, first off, like, you know, good luck to you. Also, good luck to your coach, Ryan Gelfi. Um, I really hope that there's a bet on the line between you two. Um, Well, if we're betting, I'm betting on him. He's in, if you look on Twitter, I put him, he's going to finish eighth. I got him in the top, I got Gelfi in the top 10. Don't (laughs) short yourself, Finn. Um, You're younger than him. He's going to be wearing those (laughs) fuel cells. Awesome, man. Well, hey, until next time. Thanks again. Cool, dude. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show in your podcast player. It helps fellow trail runners discover the show. Until next time, I'm your host, Finn Melanson. And yeah, you've been listening to the Single Track Podcast.